Hey, it's Cody Woodard, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope this message encourages you and helps you see that God wants to do something new in and through your life. Enjoy the message. Church, we're excited to be here today. Hey, man, we got a packed house. You guys can take a seat. Say hi to somebody next to you. want to welcome all of our people watching online from all over the world. And I actually want to give a special welcome. We just highlighted Men of Valor, but some of my boys from Men of Valor are here this morning. Thank you guys for being here. So honored to have you a part of our family. I'm excited, and uh, if it's your first time here and I haven't had the opportunity to meet you, my name is Cody Woodard, and I get to serve as the lead pastor here, and it's such an honor uh, to get to be a part of this place just because we're not just a church in this city, but we're a church for this city. And when you give here, when you invest here, when you attend here, just understand that what happens here on a Sunday is not meant to stay here. It's meant to impact Monday, and it's meant to impact the people around you. Amen? Amen. And so today, uh, we're kicking off a brand new series. We're going to spend the rest of the summer here called Summer in the Psalms. Do I have anybody who love reading through the book of Psalms? Anybody in the house? Awesome. Well, if you haven't read the book of Psalms, Psalms literally comes from a Hebrew word that means words accompanied with instruments. And so as we read through the Psalms, um, they're, they're so powerful and they stick with us so much for a couple different reasons, but the Psalms are kind of made up of four kind of big ideas and, and it's that they're, they're, po- they're poems, they're promises, they're, they're prophetic petitions. And uh, through the Psalms, as you read them, they have this way that which they, they just, they resonate, they resonate with you. And the book of Psalms is the most read book in the Bible. Um, the, the book of Psalms, along with Isaiah, is quoted as more than any other book in the entire New Testament. They quote back to the Old Testament. And in fact, Jesus actually uses Psalm 110 to confirm his identity as Lord in Matthew. So the Psalms have this sticking power. Now, maybe you haven't been to church in a while. Maybe you've never been. Maybe you've never read the book of Psalms. But I guarantee you, you've heard one. Because every single like worship song we sing comes from the book of Psalms or was inspired by Psalms. Even if you haven't heard a worship song, you've probably seen it on a bumper sticker or a coffee mug or just like statements thrown around. Like you've heard some of the the greatest hits. Psalm 139 says, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. How many of you thank God for that? Amen. Psalm 27, one says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. Psalm 23, that may be the most famous psalm. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I take a look at my life and realize there's nothing left because I've been blessed. I'm just kidding, that's... that's <laughs> That's Coolio. That's not, um, <laughs> it's not David. But uh, though I walk through the valley of the shadow, I told you, y'all have heard it. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So it begs the question, like, why is it that the Psalms have this such sticking power? where when we read them, they just have this way of connecting more than really any other book. Now, I believe it's because of this reason, not only are the Psalms poetic, but they are deeply prophetic. And, and I say that, it sounds cute, but, but what I mean by that is that the Psalms have this way of, they emotionally resonate with our struggles in the flesh and they spiritually appeal to the heart cry of our soul. 
The Psalms are the collision between what I feel and what I believe. I mean, is there anybody in the house that over the past year or two, you've had a collision between what you feel and what you believe? Right, like there's this way that the Psalm just has, and it puts it into words and you're like, yo, can I even say that? Like if you take the time to read through it, you're gonna read some prayers. You're like, man, is that allowed? Like, am I allowed to talk to God like that? Because you'll see that in one moment, it's like, God, I know that you're with me. And the next moment, it's like, God, I don't even know if you exist. So the psalmist will write things that you're afraid to talk about. And so the Psalms, they relate to us in such a way where we, 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 we're brought to this point where what we feel in moments and what we think, some of our darkest thoughts are actually put on paper and are inspired by God and they collide with what we believe. And so today I wanna go to Psalms chapter one. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me, Psalms chapter one. If you're ready for the word of God, somebody shout real loud, I'm ready. ready. Psalm one, I'm gonna start in verse one. We're just gonna read three verses today, is that okay? Psalm one, one through three. And I would encourage you to memorize this passage, okay? Here's what it says. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step, say blessed, blessed, with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and on the law he meditates day and night. That person is like a tree planted, shout planted, planted by streams of water, which yield its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do, prospers. Say prospers. I want to talk to you from, from this thought today, planted to prosper planted to prosper. Can I pray for us and ask God to do what we can't do for ourselves? Father, thank you for your word. We thank you as we open it. We know that it's not going to return void. We thank you that it's living and active. We're thankful that it speaks directly to our heart, to our situation. God, we didn't come to just go through the motions today. And so God, would you go beyond my notes? Um, would you give people a tailor-made word for the situation, the circumstance, the condition of their soul so that they can walk out different then they walked in. We love you and we thank you. And in Jesus' mighty name, everybody set. Amen. Amen. So verse three says this. It says, like a, this person is like a tree planted, shall plant it. This is what God wants for your life. Verse three, if you're going, what does God want for my life? This is what God wants for your life. And it says, blessed is the person that is planted by streams of water. Your position matters. The location in which you are planted matters because where you're planted will determine where you go to find life. So where are you planted? Because where you're planted determines what you go to to find life. You understand this concept. For some of you, you're planted at a job. You've been there 10, 15 years. That's your spot. And you expect that when you go to that job and you do your job at the end of the week or every two weeks or once a month, you get a paycheck, right? So that in order you can provide for your family or do whatever you do with your money, that's your business. But we understand the idea of being planted somewhere. Others of you, you're planted in a relationship. I'm planted in my marriage. I have no interest whatsoever to be with, look at, be a part of anyone or anything outside of my wife because she is the one who gives me love, affection, and intimacy, amen? So we're, 
We're planted in all kinds of different things, and those things aren't typically bad always. When I ask where you're planted, it may not be you're planted in a bad place. My concern is that there's many people, however, planting their souls in places that can't be satisfied. See, like, I can be planted at a job, and it's a good job, but if my soul is planted there, that's a problem. I can be in a great relationship and I can be planted and committed, but if my soul is planted in another person, how many of you know people will let you down? And so the question is, where are you planted? Not if you're planted. You are planted somewhere. And where you're planted determines where you get your life from. So he says, blessed is the person that is planted by streams of water. It's this picture we all get of a tree that is planted near a riverbank where we can see this, this tree that's really strong. Y'all ever been to like a river where you could even see the roots of the tree, right? And you can see it, it's beautiful and, and they don't ever die. Why? Because they're not reliant on the rain. They're connected to the, they're connected to the source. And so what God is trying to get you to understand is that it's, it, your position matters because if you're not careful, you will plant yourself out into a field and you will rely on rain to keep you happy. Uh, let me put it this way. You, you'll plant yourself in a position somewhere where people got to keep you happy, where money's got to keep you happy, where your job's got to keep you happy. The problem is, is that the resource will run out, but he's saying, if you will plant yourself in the presence of God, it will be blessed. It won't run out. So he's saying, blessed is the person who plants their life in the presence of God by streams of water. And it says, and yields its fruit in season. This is the idea that you can yield fruit in every season, as some translations would say. Now, here's the interesting thing about that. No tree bears fruit in every season. But what God is saying is when you plant your life by streams of water and you have roots that are connected to the right source, you can produce fruit no matter what life throws your way. And so lay me off my job, fruit. Don't call me back and walk away from me. I'm better without you, fruit. No matter what happens in your life, because you're not relying on people or on things or whatever the world has to offer, instead, you're connected to the right source. So now I have a supply that never runs dry. Anybody thankful for that? So he's saying you produce fruit in every season and whose leaf never withers. Now I had to think, what does that actually mean though? whose leaf never withers. Well, what was he talking about here? Anybody else in the house just exhausted and tired from 100 degree heat? Anybody else? Amen. I am so ready for the fall. Sorry if you're not from the South. That's what we call autumn around here, okay? We just call it fall because leaves fall. We like to keep it simple, but I'm so excited for the fall because, I mean, it's hoodie weather. Amen. You can sit outside, have a bonfire, feels good, good crisp air. Don't got to worry about your AC unit and your church going out at the 945 pack service. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I mean, we, we love, I love the fall. It's football season. Get to hang outside. I love the fall, but my favorite time in fall is that two to three week period when the leaves start to change colors. You know what I'm talking about? Every year it happens, right? And the leaves turn from green, full of sinus infections and allergy problems, <laughs> to these pretty colors before they turn brown and die. You know why they do that? The reason that the leaves change colors is because the tree, the bark, is preparing itself for winter 
So it stops supplying the branches and the leaves with the nutrients it needs. So therefore, as they're not getting the nutrients they need for the season, they begin to change colors and then wither up and die. Watch this. What God is saying is that if you will plant yourself in the right spot, you never have to withhold anything because your leaf will never wither. So you don't have to worry about running out of things. That's why scripture says, don't store for yourselves things, treasures on earth, but rather store for your things, treasures in heaven. You and I don't have to hold anything back because we have a God who gives everything we need. So you can, keep being, you can keep being generous, you can keep serving, you can keep giving. You don't have to be selfish and withhold and think, if I give this away in this season, God won't provide me in the next because I'm planted in him. And then finally, verse three ends like this. It says, whatever they do, prospers. Anybody just want to prosper in everything they do? In everything they do, they prosper. I want to prosper. I want to succeed. I would dare say that every single person in this room and everybody watching online, you want this blessed life God is painting, don't you? It's like verse three, you're like, yo, sign me up for verse three. Like, I want that. I don't want to regress. I don't want anything to die. Like, I want to succeed. I want to produce fruit in every season. I don't want my leaves to wither. I want to constantly have everything I need so I can do everything I'm called to do and everything prospers. So it's like, sign me up. But here's what I learned. God doesn't plant trees. He only plants seeds. <laughs> See, some of y'all disappointed because you thought, you were going to be a great tree for the Lord. It gave your life to Jesus, and it's like, wow, I'm supposed to be a tree. No, 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 no. You don't start as a tree. You start as a seed. Amen. The problem is, though, is we don't like seeds because seeds ain't sexy. <laughs> ain't nothing sexy about a seed. And so we get frustrated, right? Why? Because we think, you know, we, we were supposed to produce fruit in, in a moment. We live in a microwave generation, instant gratification. So if I work out for a week, I should get a six-pack of abs. Come on, somebody. If I start dieting for three days, I should lose 10 pounds. If I give my life to Jesus, all my problems go away. Uh-oh. If I start serving, I'm going to start producing fruit within three weeks. <laughs> That's why some of y'all are frustrated because you're like, God, I've been serving for six weeks and these kids don't love me at all. No fruit. I tithed when I didn't have any money. Where's the, the blessing at? So the problem with some of us is, is we're not planted in the presence of God. We're planted in a pot. And so some of you, rather than being planted in the presence of God, you would be rather planted in a pot because when you spump and puts in a pot, it grows quicker. So I would rather uproot my life because scripture says that it's seed time, say time, harvest. This is the process of God that things take time to grow. And so for some of us, we don't want to have to wait six months, a year, being planted in the same spot. No, when things get uncomfortable, things get, things get exhausting. We don't see the fruit we want. We'll just go get in a pot so that we can be moved around so people can see us and we can get what we need. We, 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 just, we want people to see the growth. But what God is trying to do comes beneath the surface. You can't Instagram integrity. You can't Facebook faithfulness, 
But see, some of us, we would rather be moved around. So if, if I don't get the nutrients I need, if the light's not shining on me and everybody ain't seeing me grow, I'll just move from one place to the another. That's why none of you are growing right now because you're moving around every time it gets uncomfortable. So it's like, oh, I just, I want to be seen by people. Here's the problem. God did not create you to be planted in a pot. God created you to be planted in his presence. And here's the challenge, right? The reason it's so hard, I mean, the reason it's so difficult for this generation to stay planted, the reason that you and I want to just get up and move every time it gets a little bit uncomfortable is because when you, get, when you get planted and you stay planted, it doesn't look the way you thought it would look. So Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Say nothing. nothing. So oftentimes, here's what being planted feels like. See, we don't like this. Because some of you thought that when you became a Christian, the light would just shine forever. You thought life was going to get better. And you thought that when you made a decision to trust Jesus with your sin, that all of a sudden those struggles would go away, but they haven't yet. And so this is often what planted feels like. Alone, isolated, in the dark. And you find yourself like this. God, I can't see you. God, I can't see that you're working. It doesn't feel like anything is happening. And here's why. Because death and destiny often look the same for a season. And what you need is a godly perspective. Somebody shout perspective. And when you get it, this is what it feels like. You're still planted, but now you have a different perspective. Not only does your position matter, your perspective matters. And, and, and for many people, okay, understand this is how the process works. If I want to plant something, what do I do? I dig up the dirt. I plant the seed. I cover it. If I want to bury something, what do I do? I dig up the dirt. I bury it. I cover it. Same process. Because in seasons, sometimes death and destiny look often similar. And some of you right now, the enemy has convinced you that you're buried, but God really just has you planted. He did not forsake you. He did not abandon you. And even though it's dark right now and you feel isolated and you feel like he's not working, he is working beneath the surface. You just can't see it yet. That's why you got to stay planted. That's why, that's why you have to stay planted. Because see, the enemy wants to convince you that that marriage is over. The enemy wants to convince you that that dream you had is dead. The enemy wants you to, to know that all hope is lost and your God forgot about you. And I just came to tell somebody, stop having funerals for things that are not dead yet. Because some of you just went and bought a tombstone for your marriage. And God says that what he's put together, let no man separate. And so some of you are struggling right now and the enemy has convinced you that because you're in the dark, you're lonely and you're isolated when God says, no, no, no. Maybe you're just in a season where I'm planting you and I'm working something you don't see yet. Somebody shout planted. Now, I know that's what you want. Verse three, you want the blessing. 
You want to prosper? I want you to prosper. Here's the challenge. You don't get verse three by skipping verse one. So verse three is what God wants for you. But verse one is where David starts. And watch how he starts. He doesn't start telling you what to do. He says, blessed is the one who does not. Say not. not. The reason why is because for many of us, what to do isn't the issue. It's what not to do is the problem. Like, you know right from wrong, don't you? Three people. <laughs> you, know what, you know what to do, right? Like, my job really isn't just to come up here and be like, here's what you do. Like, you, you already kind of know what to do. If you would do what you knew, we'd probably be in better shape. But we know what to do. The, the challenge in our flesh, right, the struggle is not doing what we're not supposed to do. So he says, if you want the verse three life, if you want to be blessed, if you want to prosper, then it starts with not doing some things. He says, blessed, say blessed, is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked. Who doesn't walk in step with the wicked. So let me ask you this question. How are you walking? Turn to your neighbor and just ask him, how are you walking? Come on, turn to the other neighbor, ask him, how are you walking? Here's why I ask it. Because how you're walking is determined by who you're walking with. How you walk will be determined by who you're walking with. And I meet so many people every single week that will come and they'll meet with me or sit in my office or I talk to them after church and they're like, man, I want, I want to do, I want to be at church next week. I want to serve. I want to, and they have the best intentions in the world. But let me tell you why it doesn't happen. Because the moment God starts producing fruit in their life, they got a friend pouring poison on it. See, a good friend will get your butt to church. A good friend will hold you accountable. A good friend will lift you up. A good friend will encourage you. A bad friend will poison the fruit God's trying to produce. And so many people never get set free from what they're called to and can't let go of their past because they're still walking in step with the same people. We follow people based upon what we see. So we look at people that look like good, tall, shiny trees producing a lot of fruit but don't realize they're plastic. We don't wreck, they look great but they ain't planted beneath the surface. So every time the storm comes, their life actually gets blown down, but you don't know about it because they move around like a pot. You follow them because they look good, have what you want, got the money, got the job, got the house, got the car, got the accolades, got the degree, they got it all. Here's the problem. I just described Satan. That's why a third of the angels were kicked out of heaven because they were walking in step with the wicked. So he says, you want the blessed life? It starts with you not walking in step with the wicked. Who are you walking with? The ESV version says, blessed is the one who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Who's counseling you? I mean, maybe literally who's counseling you, but who, who are you getting advice from? Who's speaking into your life? You, you know, the thing in, in my life was when I became a Christian in college, I was hopeful to just turn into a verse three believer. I was hopeful I was just big tree producing a lot of, like that's what I hoped would happen in like a month, but it didn't. And I found myself having a hard time getting past my past 
Had a hard time, though I loved Jesus, dealing with pornography. Had a hard time not hooking up with my girlfriend. Had a hard time not cussing. Had a hard time not drinking every time I get upset. And, and, and the way that it changed wasn't by me doing something different. It was about evaluating who I was doing it with. And once I started looking around and I realized that maybe the reason I keep following back into the same old pattern and the same old crap is because I'm still holding hands with the same old wicked people. So he says, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take. Now, anytime I'm like, what does that mean? I do a little bit of deep study here. Some, some versions, some translations say, stand in the path that sinners take. See, it's this idea that a path is created based upon consistent walking. So, so you've been to, to businesses where they have the paved path you're supposed to walk, you know, and then you actually have the real path everybody takes that cuts through it. Just the dirt path. Now, which one's the real path? The one everybody's walking. So what he's saying here is he's saying, blessed is the one who doesn't just take the same path with everybody else. Jesus says there's two paths. There's a broad path that leads to destruction and a narrow path that leads to life. Which one do you want to walk on? It's this idea that your path is created by your patterns. And so what's your pattern? What happens over time in your mind, we've talked about this in a previous series, as you make the same decisions over and over and over again, your brain changes. They call it neuroplasticity. Literally, a new path is being formed in your brain where you want to continue to take that path. And so eventually what will happen, if you keep walking in the path of the wicked, you'll, in, in the path of a sinner, you'll keep walking in a direction and not even know it because you've walked in that direction so much. And so some of us right now, like the reason we're not going where God calls us to go is because we're walking in a path and you don't even realize it yet because you've walked this path your whole life. You're walking in the path of a sinner. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the path of sinners or sit in the company of mockers. Let me ask you this. When are you sitting? Now, I could ask, where are you sitting? I could ask, who are you sitting with? But let me tell you why I'm going to ask, when are you sitting? Because some of you right now, you hear me talk about not walking in step with the wicked. You're thinking like, man, thank God I don't have my old friends. I'm good there. And others of you, you're like, hey, I'm not... I'm not taking the same old paths I used to take. Like, I'm good there. But we've all sat in the seat of judgment, haven't we? When are you doing it? Because see, some of you aren't producing fruits of righteousness because you're selfish. The thing that's keeping you from producing fruit is your self-righteousness. This is the idea that you and I have the tendency to think higher of ourselves than we ought to. And so we sit in the seat of a mocker, of a hater. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, you're a hater. Come on, turn to your other neighbor and say, you're a hater. Welcome to Renovation Church where I make you feel good about yourself. Like, we sit in this seat and we judge other people's journey so that we can feel good about ours. And the thing that kept me from producing fruit in my life for so long wasn't that I was doing all the right stuff. It was that when I felt bad about what I did, I sat in the seat of a judgment. 
I sat in the seat of a hater. I mocked people and I looked down on them so I could feel better about me. Am I talking to anybody now? When are you sitting in that seat? When are you sitting in the seat where you, you look down on other people? And so if you want that verse three life, if you want the blessed life, let's be practical. Maybe you find yourself walking in step with the wicked. Here's what I would tell you. Stop following the advice of the wicked and start following the advice of the word. Stop listening to people because they look good and start listening to the God who is good. We, we plant ourselves in, in this word. You me tell you why? Because this word is our water. And see, for some of us, we're not growing and producing what God has called us to grow and produce because we're allowing other people to water our seed. When God's saying, if you will plant yourself in this thing, this thing is gonna come alive to you. It's more than just a help book. It's God speaking to you. Amen. Jesus says, I am the living water. Amen. So when you plant yourself, I just wanna encourage you. This is why verse two. So we, we want verse three. We can't not do verse one, but now Bible tells us to do verse two. Blessed is the one who meditates on the law of the Lord and he meditates on it day and night. You gotta get this thing in you. So I'm not going to allow the, the, the advice of the world to determine the walk of my life. Here's the second one. Stop. Somebody say stop. stop. Standing in the path of sinners and start standing in the path of your Savior. You're walking with the wrong people. You're creating the wrong path. And Romans 12 tells us that you and I are transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we can understand what God's good, pleasing, and perfect will is. Do you know how you're transformed by the renewing of your mind? Through God's word. We, we read what God says and we, we take everything that we do and we put it under its submission because God has the final word. He has the final say. And I promise you that if you'll start spending time in the word of God, if you'll just read the book of Psalms all summer long, you can read the whole thing. That's like seven or eight a day. It'd take you about 25 minutes or just dive deep in some of them. Memorize Psalm 1-3, just 1-1-3. One, one just like let it meditate all day long. Let it marinate in your soul. And what will happen is you will find yourself, you may not see the fruit overnight, but you'll find yourself taking steps in the right direction. See, the Bible is full of these if and then promises. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, then I will hear them and heal their land. If my people confess their sin, then I will be faithful to forgive and sake. If, and then, this is an if and then moment. If you are struggling with standing in the wrong path, then start standing in the path of your Savior. Let me give you the final one. We'll be done. If you find yourself struggling with judging other people, Stop judging other people's journey and start joining their journey. The reason, one of the reasons, and I'm gonna speak this over you, man. One of the reasons I love men of valor so much is because so many people have judged people's journey based upon a mistake they made in their past. Thank God that we're not defined by what we did yesterday. 
You're not defined by what you did yesterday. Men, you're not defined by what you did yesterday. How about we stop judging people's journey and start joining it? Because what happens when you join it is your heart goes from being critical to being compassionate. It starts to go, yo, I actually get them. So when people start bad-mouthing people, you're like, yo, 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 why are you? You don't know them. (laughs) You don't know what led to that decision. You're just looking at the effects. You don't know the cause. So I'm actually going to join the journey and spend time with them and get to know them and understand them and help them and be a good friend and make sure that I'm pouring the water of God onto the seed he planted. Aren't you thankful that we have a God that did not just sit on the judgment seat looking at every wrong thing we did, but John 1 says that the Word became flesh. He dwelt among us, moved into the neighborhood, and walked the life that we could not walk, stood in the place we could not stand, going to a cross, dying, resurrecting, and then sat down at the right hand of God. Amen. That's your God who walked, who stood in your place, and who sat down declaring, it is finished. And so, if you find yourself walking in the wrong direction, sitting in the wrong seat, standing with the wrong people, the good news of the gospel is if you're walking this way, God says, all you gotta do is turn around and look to me and allow me to be your source, plant your life in the presence of God, and watch what God will do in and through you. He says, if you will repent, if you'll confess your sins, you will be saved. Will you stand with me? Come on. For some of you, today is the decision you're making where you're giving your life to Jesus. You know John 3:16, but 17 might be even my more favorite. It says that God sent His Son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through Him. Can I just tell you, there's one path that leads to life, His name is Jesus. The only way you can get there is by grace through faith in Him alone. You don't got to do anything. All you have to do is go, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Today, save me. I believe you're the Son of God that resurrected from the grave so that I can know you and be forgiven for my sin. And it says, if my people, if they'll confess with their mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, that God raised them from the grave, they will be saved. And so today, I don't know what your next step is, Others of you is to get planted in a church where you can grow. Stop bouncing around everywhere thinking you're going to produce fruit in a pot. Plant yourself in a house. Plant yourself in a position. Plant yourself in a job. Plant plant yourself in serving, in a group, whatever it may be. But others of you is to say yes to Jesus for the very first time, saying today, I'm building my life on a firm foundation. I'm trusting Him to be my source because He is the source of life. He is the supply that never runs dry. Come on, if you believe it, let's clap our hands and let's worship a good God. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the message today. If it encouraged you in any way, we would love to hear about it. Send us an email to stories at renovation.church. And if you'd like to partner with us financially and help us continue to reach people all over the world, you can do that by going to our website, renovation.church slash give. Have a blessed day.